Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we are off. Another episode of In Defense of the Big 12. Brad Kellner in Austin, Texas. Tyler McComas in Norman, Oklahoma. In the next hour... We're talking exclusively Big 12 football, only two games on the slate this week, but uh, boy, are they big ones. But let's get to the obvious one, to the people who are watching Twitch right now. That hat is completely badass, and I feel like I need one of those. BK has a hat on right now that is, uh, I, I don't even know how to explain it, man. Like, what type of hat is that? Is it just like, it's it's not as big as a normal cowboy hat? Doesn't look like you're in the stockyards in Fort Worth. What's going on there, man? I'm jealous. Uh, we've got the Stetson Open Road. That is the name of this hat. And uh, a listener of the Horn in Austin actually was nice enough and sent this to me in the mail. I still have the tag on it, I'm pretty sure, because I don't even know if it fits. So I've got the tag on just in case. Like, I've got to make sure right. it fits right. Uh, I don't have to return it or anything, but I've never owned a hat like this. And eh, when in Rome, why not? So I figured I'd I figured I'd rock it and I'd unveil it during this edition of In Defense of the Big Twelve. Is there any way like you're you're I mean you're wearing it now? Like this could be in the next two years a part of your daily look. Like oh, if you at least man. explored that option with yourself, like you could be known as the guy that wears that hat around. Well, if we see each other up in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl on October 10th, yeah, I'll have a huge belt buckle, I'll have boots, I'll have jeans, I'll be rocking the entire cowboy look at that point. So yeah, I think now that it's on my head, this is, uh, this is my look now, man. This is a part of me and there's nothing I can do to change it. It's too late. That's awesome. Hey, by the way, if you're in the, uh, if you're in Twitch right now, checking us out, comment with us throughout the show. We like that a lot. Send smart questions, send dumb questions, send funny questions, uh, comment on BK's hat, like legitimately any, any, anything you want to do. Uh, just join us in the Twitch chat. We have a lot of fun with that. Oklahoma state and Tulsa 11 a.m. Uh, my God, I think that this is kind of a big moment for the Big 12. This conference really needs Oklahoma State not to look like a pile of garbage. I haven't been talking into my microphone the entire time, so if I sounded like absolute crap, sorry about that. But this conference really needs – like, it, it's kind of a crappy situation, man. Like, if OSU beats Tulsa 48-3, to nobody's thoughts about the Big 12 is going to change, right? But if Oklahoma State wins 31-28, it's just going to confirm what everybody else thought yeah. Coming out of last weekend. Well, thankfully, Tulsa's not in the Sun Belt. So I feel uh, pretty <laughs> decent about OSU's chances this Saturday. But you're right. I mean, this reputation, this conference's reputation right now is on uh, thin ice after what went down last weekend. I mean, just an abysmal opening Saturday for the Big 12 Conference. Three losses, of course, Texas Tech nearly falling to FCS Houston Baptist as a 40 point favorite. I mean, this league needs all the help that it can get. Tulsa's a decent team. 
they've got a good quarterback in Zach Smith. They've got some decent players. They play in a reputable conference in the American, and they've held their own in that league for the last few years. So, you know, I don't know if we're going to get a 48-3 to type of matchup on Saturday, but yeah, you're dead on, Tyler. I mean, if this game comes down to the wire, if it comes down to the final seconds, and hell, if Tulsa is able to find a way to pull off the upset in Stillwater this Saturday, then this conference's rep is going to take an even bigger hit, which seems damn near impossible after last weekend. Hot take by me, but I think OSU might kind of kick their ass on okay. Saturday. Yeah, um, I, mean, I think it'll be close. For I don't want to say close. I think Tulsa will be within striking distance for like two to two and a half quarters. And then I think Oklahoma State's going to pull away and win by three or so touchdowns. I think OSU is going to win by about 28 and easily cover that 22 and a half point spread. I just think that they're actually set up really well to not disappoint this weekend and, and, and come out and play strong. Um, they've got the proven commodities that we know about, right? Chuba Hubbard and Tylan Wallace. I think Chuba's going to run wild. Tylan's going to have a big game. I think Spencer Sanders has a big game. They've got a defense with a whole lot of returning starters. And, dude, most importantly, they saw the other teams play in the conference last weekend. Like, that was their wake-up call saying, like, hey, we don't come out and play. That could be us playing against Tulsa. And, and Tulsa, I, I would imagine, is probably – Louisiana's pretty good. But Tulsa's right there with the best non-conference opponent that any Big 12 team has faced this year. But I just think OSU's actually set up really well to come out and play pretty strong. And that's that's just kind of the way that I think it's going to happen. I, yeah, I think, I think twenty-eight point win for OSU. I mean, uh, this league needs it. There's no doubt about it. And these two teams played last year, I think, in week three of the non-con, and it was yeah. a it was a close game at halftime. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. Tulsa was up twenty-one to twenty at halftime last year before Oklahoma State dominated the second half and pulled away late. Uh, that game was in Tulsa which I'm sure it was half Oklahoma State fans last yeah, year. Not serves, but uh, yeah, I mean that. You know, that, that would be a problem if it's close and tough and tight, right? And a lot of folks around college football will be pointing fingers and laughing at the Big 12 even more if this thing is interesting on Saturday. But I think you're right. I mean, I think your theory of Oklahoma State got to sit back and watch last weekend and see what went on with the rest of this league and say, all right, we better be buttoned up. We better be on our P's and Q's so we don't look like that, right? We got to find a way to take care of business so we can achieve our goals this season. You know, I, I saw a couple of articles kind of speculating whether or not not playing last Saturday would benefit Oklahoma State or if it would hurt Oklahoma State. You know, I think if last weekend doesn't happen and this league takes care of business and every team won and they went 7-0 and and, and this league looked great, then maybe you could say, all right, it's a little bit of a hamper for Oklahoma State. But because they got to sit back and watch, all right, yeah, we, we better be ready to play. And I think it could bode well for OSU's chances to take care of business. I, I think we've talked about this before. You, you think it's really important for them to get off to a really nice start, not only in this game, but beat West Virginia handily, Kansas handily, Baylor handily. Like, don't lose any unexpected games in October because of, you know, just everything that's happened in the offseason with Mike Gundy and his team. Like, everybody can get along when you're winning and, and everything's going well, but what might things look like if they unexpectedly drop a game at Baylor or at home to West Virginia. Like it could come, it feels like there's not going to be a whole lot that has to happen for this thing to come apart at the seams for them. Yeah, it's been a tumultuous offseason in Stillwater for sure. And right, that's the question. I mean, where are they at in this locker room? Do they even care about Mike Gundy anymore? Are they playing for Mike Gundy or are they playing for each other at this point, almost in spite of Coach Gundy? Uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. And it's a relatively easy 
opening part of the schedule for the Cowboys, right? They've got Tulsa. You mentioned West yeah. Virginia at home is the conference opener next Saturday. Then they go to Kansas. So they should be able to start off pretty smoothly and get things rolling in Stillwater. I don't think the Gundy situation is going to linger into the year. Uh, I mean, you bring up an interesting thought, right? What happens if OSU loses one or two games that they shouldn't lose? Then do they completely quit on their coach? What goes on with the rest of the season if things start to fall apart? I don't think that's going to be much of an issue, but uh, it, it will be something to monitor for sure. And if the Cowboys do struggle, then you know the national pundits are going to bring that up. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, speaking of Oklahoma State, by the way, we got massive news yesterday in the Big Ten that, uh, hey, they're going to play football. And guess what, everybody? An ain't no Ohio State. Yeah, they're going to get to go to the college football playoff because they have so much built-up equity. Like, I would an eight no Oklahoma and everybody else playing ten or eleven games? Would an eight no or nine no Oklahoma get in the playoff? Yeah, maybe. Would an eight no nine no Texas get in the playoff? Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I guarantee you, an eight no Ohio State or an eight no Clemson or an eight no Alabama, especially that group, they're getting in. It's a slam dunk. And I bring that up because I think that there's one team in particular that that might really hurt this year. Like this was some big news yesterday and I think it affects their college football playoff chances. And that's Oklahoma state, man, because if they're ever going to make the playoff, I think it's, it's gotta be this year. They got the team, right? Yeah. And before it was three major conferences battling for four spots. And this was the year where one loss Oklahoma state, would make the college football playoff. There is no question about it. A one-loss OSU would make the college football playoff. But you add the Big Ten in the equation, and if Ohio State's undefeated, if Clemson's undefeated, you got a one-loss SEC champ and then a one-loss Georgia or a one-loss Florida, I'm not so necessarily sure all of a sudden that a one-loss Oklahoma State would get in the college football playoff now with this announcement yesterday. It's pretty damaging. So so what do you think – do you agree with that, right? I mean, there's a lot of people out there that don't think the Big Ten should be allowed to participate in the college football playoff because they kind of said, eh, sorry, Big 12, SEC, and ACC, we're not going to play. We're going to sit this thing out. Now that they're entering in a little bit late, do you think they should be a part of the CFP picture, or do you think that could be part of their punishment? Like, hey, you know, you guys uh, weren't with us at the start, so you can't be with us at the end. Oh, I think it'd be hilarious if that was their punishment. <laughs> After basically making the decision for everybody else, like, are you kidding me? And our favorite teams have a better chance of winning the national championship this year if Ohio State's out of the equation. But no, man, I don't want to hear that asterisk BS that everyone's going to have to try to throw out if they're not involved in it. So let them play. I, I think the damage has been done for Ohio State's national championship hopes. They've already got two kids opting out. Maybe they'll opt back in. We'll see. But, yeah, Ohio State's not my national title favorite anymore. I I say let them play. I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think eight games plus the conference championship, right? That's enough. I mean, that's nine games. That's the amount of conference games the Big 12 is playing. Uh, The ACC and the SEC are getting one more with 10. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you shouldn't punish the kids, right? You shouldn't punish the kids. You shouldn't punish the coaches. You shouldn't punish the fans for decisions that were made by the university presidents, right? I mean, they had no say in the Big Ten's decision to cancel football back on August 11th. So I do think they should be a part of the picture, and I agree with you. I mean, I I would still think a one-loss Big 12 team, a one-loss Big 12 champion, let me rephrase that, would find their way into the college football playoff this year. Uh, You don't have to worry about the Pac-12. I don't think they're going to resume playing, and if they do, I don't think they're going to do it quick enough to where they're 
in the college football playoff scene. But even if it is Oklahoma State, right, even if they don't have the brand name of an Oklahoma or a Texas, I still think this year with the uh, the smaller field that day, one loss Big 12 champion would find their way into the Final Four. But last weekend didn't help. There's no doubt about that, yeah. right? I mean, if we do get into that situation like you talked about, like let's say Bama – and Georgia are both undefeated going into the SEC championship game this year. The winner of that's obviously going in. What do you do with the loser of that, right? Do you put uh, a one-loss SEC team that didn't win their conference championship over a one-loss Big 12 team that did win the conference championship? Uh, I wonder how much stock they are going to put into the way this league looked uh, in opening weekend with the what were supposed to be cupcake games in the non-con that's uh, that's going to be an interesting thing to monitor for sure. Yeah, like like Oklahoma State may only have Texas and OU for top twenty five wins this year. Yeah, a one loss SEC team might have four or five. Notre Dame as a one loss team would have at least I'm guessing one win over Clemson, who's probably the best team in all of college football right now. So, yeah, man, a, a lot of things aren't working in OSU's favor if they're a one loss conference champ. But yeah, you you could definitely be right that they would still get in the playoff field and. Uh, see how that would unravel boy that that even that'd be great for the big 12's perception too right if osu gets in the playoff and they get destroyed by Clemson mm. in the first round yeah i mean the question is like would an oklahoma state if osu takes care of business on saturday against tulsa and they blow them out and you know they run through conference play with only one loss will they get punished by what the rest of the big 12 did in the non-conference slate and you're right. I mean, if there are only two ranked wins for Oklahoma State, or maybe only one ranked win for Oklahoma State on the schedule, like do they get punished for that, or would they find their way in? Obviously, uh, throwing the Big Ten in there makes things a little bit more difficult. But I'm sticking with the way I've uh, the way I felt going into this year. Right, one loss Big Twelve champion gets in. Normally, brand matters a little bit more, but because you're only playing with seventy percent of the teams this year, I would still think a one-loss Big 12 champion would uh, would get in. How about this? I mean, like, realistically, right? We are barely through week one of the season, and there's only, like, three teams that probably legitimately in the conference have a chance to make it to the college football playoff. That's it. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've only seen two of them play. Right? <laughs> That's the thing. We don't even know about Oklahoma State. I mean, I, I think everybody figured, like, there was an obvious top tier in this conference – uh, with OU, OSU, and Texas. That's the way the Big 12 media at least projected this thing to go out. But yeah, I mean, everybody else that was kind of fighting for a spot on that first tier didn't show up this past weekend, right? With Iowa State, and they were, they were picked fourth. They were kind of the trendy pick to maybe crash the Big 12 championship party. We've discussed them a lot on this show uh, with them going down at home to Louisiana, Kansas State going down at home to Arkansas State. Just it felt like those middle tier teams kind of played their way out of the college football picture, college football playoff picture this past weekend. Now, hey, they could still compete and play spoiler in the Big 12 and maybe find their way to Arlington at the end of the year, right? Those games last weekend don't mean anything for that. But yeah, I, I don't think, uh, you know, if K-State or Iowa State runs the table, I think those losses will probably be held against them enough to keep them out of the college football playoff. You can't lose to a team like that when you only have one non-conference game and expect to get in, get in, especially if the other teams across the country take care of their business. Hey, by the way, if you're uh, listening, check out to LandryFootball.com. High school, college, NFL, NFL draft, free agency. NFL is up and running right now for sure. So if you love football, and I'm guessing if you're listening or watching this podcast, you do, LandryFootball.com is your source for uh, everything in the sport. He's got all levels covered. Maybe he even has like, 
Friday night tykes level stuff out there in Austin and San Antonio. Maybe Chris Landry is an expert in like seven, eight-year-old peewee football down there yeah. in that area. Yeah, I saw him uh, doing some scouting for for some sixth graders the other day. I thought it was kind of <laughs> weird. You know, I thought it was a little creepy, but uh, that's just Chris Landry, man. That's what he does. He's, uh, he's studying the game 24-7, 365. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And of course, again, if you're in the uh, Twitch Twitch chat right here, like comment uh, comment with your questions for sure. Funny, stupid, whatever. We'll we'll answer all of them. I assure you that. Uh, the other game, and, and I guess there's an article out right now, and I haven't read it yet. Baylor and Houston are playing Saturday, and I guess they scheduled the game in 18 hours a week before kickoff. Coaches cram 10 days of scouting into two. And I'm guessing, like, by by this story from SI.com, Houston coaches even Googled how you get to Waco. So I'm excited to read that one. It seems probably pretty easy to get to Waco from Houston. Am I yeah. wrong about that? No, it's uh, it's pretty easy to make that trek. And it's not a long trip either. Uh, that's interesting. Is that a real thing? I, I haven't read the story just yet. It came out right before we came on here. But that's what it says in the headline from Ross Dellinger. About I guess Houston, Houston coaches like Siri. How do you get to Waco? Well, Dana Holgerson. I mean, Dana Holgerson was at West Virginia. Now, I guess that's a completely different route to coming from West Virginia to Waco versus Houston to Waco. But you'd think he'd uh, know enough about the area at least to to find a way up there. That's hilarious, though. I had not heard that story. I'm glad this game's getting played. Right? I know a lot of Baylor fans and the players and the coaches were bummed that their Louisiana Tech game. Uh, was canceled due to the La Tech side of things, right? Some COVID issues with the Bulldogs. Uh, I'm glad this worked out. I'm glad Baylor gets to play a non-conference game. And look, just as a college football fan, this is one of the more intriguing non-con games that we have this year. Uh, first time, first year head coach with Dave Aranda at Baylor, right? What are they going to look like after their Big 12 championship reaching and Sugar Bowl reaching season a year ago? So much turnover for the Bears, both with the coaching staff and with the personnel Things were going to be tough for them, regardless of the pandemic. But with the shortened off season, you know, how do they look? Can they look ready to go against a decent opponent in week one? That's going to be interesting to see. And then for Houston, right? Dana Holgerson, he knows Baylor. He knows this conference incredibly well. They tanked last year. Yep. Like, I, I don't know if we've ever seen a college football we, program we tank. But we they were, like legitimately tried to tank. They just had a bunch of guys red shirts. They like said, all right, we're going to lose this year and we're going to focus more on 2020. Now, I think when they started this tanking plan, they were hoping to get to Eric King back and King ended up grad transferring to Miami. So he's out, but they've got a lot of guys who were on the roster last year. The four and eight record is a, a total fluke. They're going to be a better team this year. They're going to be much more competitive this year. So I saw the opening line was seven and I think I looked yesterday and the line was down to four. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what changed. I don't know if that's because the Big 12 looked so bad last weekend. Like everyone's betting on Houston right now because uh, they're not in the Big 12. But yeah, this game, I'm excited to watch this game. I'm excited to see what Baylor looks like. Can they do anything close to what they did last year despite all of the changes that they've had in Waco? Former Texas running back Kyle Porter. There you go. This year. How about that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's the greatest of news for Houston, but he's a great kid. Things just didn't quite work out at Texas. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, he, he played for Houston last year, played decently well at times. So 
Uh, Kira, I, I think the Baylor rush defense is still going to be pretty stout, but Clayton Toon, the quarterback from Houston, he's a little bit of a dual threat. He's played some games over the last two years down there. He's got a good arm, and Houston's got a couple of really, really good receivers. I think the key to this game for Baylor is can their secondary hold up, right? Yeah. If they don't give up big plays, they're going to find a way to win this game. But uh, if they do give up some shots over the top, then maybe Houston keeps this close and, and pulls off the upset at McLean. Yeah, I like Marquez Stevenson a lot, who they have at wide receiver. I think he's their best player out there. Uh, he was their leading receiver a year ago with 907 yards, nine touchdowns. I think he's a pretty big-time player. So I feel <laughs> polar opposite of how I feel about OSU in week one than how I do in Baylor week one. Because I already laid it out, right? OSU's got – all the returning starters, like all this, all 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 that stuff. Like o- OSU, I really think is built to play well this week with everything they have coming back. But Baylor, with an entirely new defense, uh, a, a lot of new personnel offensively. Mims is gone. They got an entire new coaching staff. Like I just don't feel like Baylor is necessarily set up to play well in this game. And I think I'm going to pick Houston to beat Baylor in Waco. I wouldn't be shocked. And, you know, I kind of gave the keys for Baylor on defense. I think on offense, this needs to be a big John Lovett game. And maybe Tristan Ebner, too. But I think John Lovett's the starting running back for Baylor this year. Houston's weak defensively. They're weak up the middle. I know they're trying to slide down a safety to linebacker, uh, which is, you know, some teams do that. I know Texas is doing that with the Marvion Overshone, and it can work. But Houston's a little bit undersized, especially in the middle of that defense. So I think that's going to be, or at least that should be the plan for Baylor on Saturday is to try to run the ball down Houston's throats. I think they've got a good shot to uh, control the clock if they do something like that. But, man, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Houston, Baylor's got more talent than Houston, but because of all the turnover on the Baylor side and because Houston's had the same staff in place over the offseason, I think that does give Houston a little bit of an advantage on that front. I'm picking Baylor, but I think it's a one-possession game. I think that four-point line is is about right. So I think this will be tough and tight, but – I think the Bears do find a way to get it done against the Cougs on Saturday. Man, I- I'm going to be watching this at 11 a.m. Yeah, by the way, uh, OSU Tulsa at 11 a.m., Baylor Houston at 11 a.m. Oh, come on. Hey, you come to expect it. You come to expect it, you know? I mean, come on. This is, this is our conference here. I man. know. I was, hoping, I was hoping since there's only two games, like they'll find a way to split it up a little bit. But you're right. It is the Big 12. What was I thinking? <laughs> I'm going to be watching this Baylor-Houston game, and he seems like a really good kid, so I root for him. But I'm going to be sitting there, like, watching it nervously, hoping Charlie Brewer doesn't get hurt again. You know? I mean, after the past couple times that we saw him, I mean, he's laying on the turf out there at the Big 12 championship game. I'm wondering if he's ever going to play again. He made his decision. He is coming back. But I don't know, man. I I feel like he's one hit away from maybe never playing football again, and I hope that we don't see that. Right. No, 100%. And I think there are some folks out there who who were kind of hoping that Charlie Brewer would hang him up, right, just for his own sake, right, for the sake of his long-term health. I think he's a really, really talented player. Uh, He does a great job of protecting the football, right? Not a lot of turnovers. Doesn't have the most arm strength or most arm talent in this league, but uh, he finds ways to get the job done, and he's been very, very successful as a uh, near three-year starter in Waco. I hope he stays healthy. That's a big question for him. That's a big question for them this year. No question. Now we saw Jacob Zeno play a little bit in that big 12 championship game. Seems like that kid uh, can be good. He's a redshirt freshman, right? He kept his redshirt eligibility from a year ago. So he's the future of that Baylor program, at least right now. So if something does happen to Charlie Brewer, he'll be the guy I would assume. 
And the fact that he got some experience in games last year is, uh, is probably good for his chances. And hopefully there wouldn't be too much of a drop off if that is the case. But no, I'm rooting for Brewer, man. Great kid, great family from right here in Austin, Texas. Texas didn't offer him. I'm not sure if you know that, Tyler. They only say it on every single Texas Baylor broadcast 400 times. But uh, he's a good kid. Hopefully it works out for him. But for Baylor, they do have uh, some experience behind him just in case it doesn't. What's more annoying? Uh, Charlie Brewer didn't get offered by Texas or who Mac Brown recruited him as a safety, uh, as a defensive back. Definitely that one. <laughs> definitely that one. I mean, uh, Big 12 fans will still poke fun at Texas for that. Like the TV broadcast, they've moved on. But Big 12 fans and, and A&M fans, right, fans who hate Texas, they still uh, they still have fun with the Longhorns for that. Is, is RG3 and Johnny Menzel, Mac offered both of them as DBs? Yep, is that it? Yeah. both of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was uh, late to the Andrew Luck party, too. Andrew Luck wanted to come here, and Texas did ultimately offer him, but it was it was way too late. So good times here in Austin, man. David Ash was good, though. You got to go through David with David Ash. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm talking about quarterbacks dealing with concussion problems and guys who are worried about their long-term health. David Ash, David Ash was that guy, and hopefully Charlie Brewer doesn't become David Ash because it was that one final hit that ended David Ash's career and caused them to hang it up during his junior year at Texas. Hopefully, something like that does not happen to Charlie Brewer. But uh, hey, I don't blame I don't blame Big Twelve fans. I mean, there's been a lot of material for you guys to uh, to have fun with the Longhorns over the last decade. There's no doubt about that. So. Baylor's I'm looking at Athlon right now they have Jerry Bohannon as the backup quarterback which he's the guy that actually went to the game in the Big 12 championship after Charlie Brewer got hurt yeah but dude after that Big 12 title game they got to throw Zeno out there over Bohannon right it, it wasn't close between those two guys right yeah we saw Zeno more in the Sugar Bowl right uh against Georgia yeah he's I think the guy who right. came, yeah. came in and played a little bit more so yeah thank you for that correction but uh yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. That's a good question. I, I haven't looked at the Baylor depth chart. I don't know if they've even released one. I'm going to try to stall and pull that one up to see if we can get an answer to that question. Uh, I just kind of assumed it would be Zeno because he looked better last year, but maybe there there has been a backup quarterback race uh, or competition, probably the better word for Baylor. Pulling it up right now. Yeah, it is Bohannon, number two on the depth chart. Wow, interesting. So okay. scratch, every, scratch everything I just said. Wow. So uh, if something happens to Brewer, I guess Bohannon will get the the first crack. I, I, I don't think it's going to show up this year. Um, I don't think it's going to be as bad as Matt Rule's first year where they won, what, one game? They lost all their non-conference games and they only beat Kansas. But I think I think Dave Aranda's going to do a good job there. I, I like fundamentally what they're going to be about. It feels like fundamentally they're not going to change all that much from what they've been the past few years. They, they are going to be a team that has got good D-line play, just good defensive play all along, and not be exceptional at offense, but good enough like they were last year to to win games. Like, give it a couple of years, two to three years. I think Dave Aranda is going to do a really nice job. At, yeah, you know. I mean, we've never seen him as a head coach, but he's been successful as a defensive coordinator everywhere he's been. And I, I think we'll have Baylor's defense playing really, really well, if not near one, at some point two or three years down the road. Uh, and this this is one of those years, like, forget Big 12 title. If Baylor makes a bowl game this year, and I don't know exactly what bowl season is going to look like come December, but if they were to get, in a normal year, if they were to get to like six or seven wins, I think that would be a, a decent first year for Dave Aranda. Uh, so much turnover, as we mentioned, with the coaching staff, with the personnel as well. And there were a couple of things that Baylor, like 
I don't want to take anything away from the season Baylor had. I sure as hell don't want to take anything away from what Matt Rule accomplished in his three-year tenure in Waco. I mean, that was just nothing short of incredible, right? What he walked into, forget dumpster fire, that thing was a landfill fire. And then going one and 11 in year one and finding a way to win 11 games in year three is just remarkable. Yeah. But Baylor, Baylor was really opportunistic last year. Like they were plus 11 in turnover margin. That usually does not translate from year to year. And Baylor also, they only outgained their Big 12 opponents by 44 yards per game. Ooh. Like they weren't dominating teams last year. They played a lot of close games. Now, look, it takes skill and it takes great coaching to be good in coach game uh, in close games. But that is another thing that doesn't always or even often translate from year to year. So, yeah, I mean, you combine those two things with all the losses that Baylor had. Uh, 500 this this league feels down so maybe they can get a game or maybe two games if things go right but that would uh once again that would feel like a decent year one for Dave Miranda yeah I mean they won 11 games like last year like you said which is incredible but they beat Rice by eight they had a late field goal to beat Iowa State I think at the gun they got extremely lucky to beat Texas Tech last year at home they played West Virginia on Halloween night and only won 17-14 they had to go to overtime to beat TCU last year. So three of them, three overtimes, and they yeah. needed two overtimes to beat Texas Tech last year. Like <laughs> uh, that, that, that's you know that doesn't translate. It really and doesn't. something funky happened in that Baylor Tech game that screwed Tech out of winning that game. Baylor got something fluky that happened, like some fluky call or wow. something like that happened to allow them to win that game at home over Tech. Man, I, I don't know. Right. But yeah, I, I mean they were they were a good team, but God, they just they barely scraped by all year long. The ball yeah. bounced their way, and you're right; it just doesn't normally happen like that in back to back years when you lose all the defensive talent that they did. Man, um, I think that that's 100 percent correct. But yeah, I boy, I mean, what sucks is there's nothing that Baylor or OSU can do this week to help the how people think about the Big 12 this year, all they can do is hurt it, man. And, and that's a yeah. that's a really dangerous situation to be in. Yeah, it's a huge bummer, right? Because everyone's going to make their judgments of this league based off one weekend. Now, it was an, an incredibly disappointing weekend, but and normally you have a couple of other non-conference games. Like, ah, even if you do slip up or even if your league does have a bad Saturday, then uh, you can show your worth against other teams in the non-con. But that's just not going to be the case for the Big 12 this year. And man, I mean, even if Oklahoma or Texas or Oklahoma State were to run the table, people would still be like, well, is that even impressive? Like, obviously, they'd make the college football playoff if they go undefeated. But would anybody yeah. around the country be like, oh, that, they must be really, really good. They didn't lose a game in the Big 12. No, I'd be like, oh, remember when K-State lost to Arkansas State? And really, Texas only beat K-State by a touchdown? You think they're that good? Uh, remember when Iowa State got killed at home by Louisiana? Oh, you only beat them by a field goal? Like, or are they really that good? So, yeah, I mean, the reputation because of OU, well, first of all, because OU's been the only team to, to find their way into the playoff, right? They've been carrying the weight in this league for the last five years, but also because OU has yet to win a college football playoff game, uh, the, the rep of this league has been down, and last Saturday did not help. So, yeah, you combine those two things, and even if there is an undefeated team at the end of the year, there are going to be some questions about how, how strong, how tough it was for uh, for that team to go unbeaten. Yeah, like it, it's totally realistic, and it can happen where Kansas State and Iowa State turn their season around, and they be pretty good football teams. They yeah. are allowed. They are allowed. I know what happened last Saturday. Kansas State and Iowa State are allowed to have good football teams, but you just brought it up. Like it's kind of crappy for OU because Kansas State could play a really good game in two weeks. They could. They could play a really good game 
and OU wins the thing at 34-31. So it's just a well-played football game. But the narrative nationally is, well, God, um, Arkansas State beat Kansas State by more than Oklahoma did, and it was in Norman. Right. OU must really suck. And then after they play Kansas State, they got to go to Iowa State, which I would guess Iowa State plays well in that game. OU wins by 10 and plays well. Well, Louisiana beat them by 17. Oklahoma only beat them by 10. Like, what's the deal here? Is Louisiana better than Oklahoma? Does Oklahoma suck? So it leaves like the big dogs at the top in a really tough situation when you've got two teams who might still be pretty good by the end of the year and they just embarrass themselves in week one. And that's the only thing that people nationally are going to take note of. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about that. There really is no doubt about that. And, and Iowa State, they've been a slow starting team, right? Five and 11 in the Matt Campbell era in the month of September. So I think there's a lot of pundits. Like I know Iowa fans, because Iowa beats Iowa State every year. Iowa fans are like, these guys are trash. And, oh, the Big 12 must be really, really bad because you guys are losing to Iowa State year in and year out. How does that happen? We never lose to them. But, uh, no, I mean, it's, you know, I, once again, I said it earlier, I still feel like any one loss Big 12 team will find their way into the college football playoff. But things got tougher because of last Saturday, and things are getting tougher because the Big 10 is back in the college football playoff picture, and uh, they're going to take a spot. I mean, they are. Even if Ohio State doesn't go undefeated, if Ohio State loses one game, which I, I, I don't know if there's anybody in the conference in the Big Ten that could beat Ohio State. But even if they do lose one game because of their expectations going into the year, because what they did last year, because the type of program they have, right, the reputation, the prestige that they have, they're going to take a college football playoff spot, assuming they're allowed in that picture. So, yeah, there's a good chance you're losing a spot there. I think that could really hurt Notre Dame or North Carolina or any non-Clemson ACC team. And I think that could hurt the the SEC even more, right, for the SEC's hopes of getting two teams into the Final Four. But, man, I still feel like uh, despite how bad last Saturday was, one loss, Big 12 champion, especially if it's Texas or Oklahoma, is going to find their way into the Final Four, even if it is as a four seed. By the way, last thing on Baylor before we move on, it really and it really bothers me for some reason they have a kicker named John Mayers. I don't know if you're a John Mayer fan. Like, I, I feel like this guy, does he, like, go out and kick field goals with a guitar in his hand? Oh, and man. Daughters and was, your body is a wonderland? He was clutch as hell last year. I'll tell you what. I mean, he had a few game winners in those overtime games that we talked about as a true freshman. So, yeah, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if he was using gravity or I don't know if he has any daughters or <laughs> – you know, I mean, I, I don't know if he uh, hangs out in a room for squares. I'm trying to think of all the John Mayer songs and albums I can come up with. Clearly, I don't He's just to. waiting on the world to change, man. Waiting on the world to change, exactly. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what he does. I don't know if that's what he listens to pregame. I don't know if he plays guitar, but he was clutch last year. 16 of 19 for any college kicker is impressive. Hell, for any NFL kicker, based off what right. we saw last Jeez. Sunday, that would, that would feel pretty impressive. But for a freshman and to hit as many clutch game-winning kicks – as he did a year ago, uh, Baylor's got to feel pretty, pretty good about him coming back. But, uh, yeah, now the, the John Mayer jokes were uh, a plenty last year, and I'm sure if he comes up big again, there will be uh, plenty more this year from Waco. This can't be real. John Mayer has a song <laughs> called Why Georgia. Surely that got played in the Sugar Bowl. Oh, man. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Why they had, Georgia? Why if, did you if John Mayer's kicked there? a field goal – in that game, which I don't think he did, right? I think uh, Baylor ended up with 14 points. So, hell, extra point, whatever. They had to play that song. 
or after Georgia won, like just to make fun of him. Like, uh, why Georgia? That's uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, uh, LandryFootball.com. Check it out this week. All your uh, Big 12 info. Only two games, which really kind of stinks, but I think that they're both entertaining games, man. I really do. There's only two of them, and I like. I wish they weren't on at the same time. That would actually be yeah. really, really cool, but no, I, I, I kind of like the two games on the slate that we have. I think they're both going to be really entertaining. Yeah, I do too. I mean, Baylor-Houston, right, that might be <laughs> – I don't know if I can call it the most entertaining non-conference game in this league because of what happened last Saturday. I mean, in terms of on paper, this is the closest line and this is the most reputable, most known non-conference game that a Big 12 team has to play this year. So that one should be a lot of fun. I think it'll be tough and tight. Mentioned Oklahoma State-Tulsa, right? Tulsa last year had a lead against Oklahoma State going into the second half before OSU pulled away and won by 19. So, you know, what happens uh, if that game is close on Saturday? I think it will be for maybe a half or uh, I'd say within striking distance, I think is the verbiage I used earlier uh, for about a half, maybe halfway through the third quarter. Tulsa will keep it close, but I think Oklahoma State will pull away. And I agree with you. I mean, uh, I, I don't know even if Baylor blows out Houston or if they win that game by two touchdowns, and even if Oklahoma State beats Tulsa by four touchdowns, I still think uh, so many college football people are going to be scarred by last Saturday that I don't know if they can really help this league's reputation. They can only hurt it if things go awry this weekend. Okay. Uh, our buddy Spartan Barton is back this week. We appreciate we that. What's his comment here? How many games could the Big 12 champion lose and still make the playoffs? Uh, one, I mean, the question is either, the question is, could a big 12 champ lose two games and get in the playoff? And after last weekend, I think that the answer to that is no. Yeah. I would have said no regardless. Right. I would have figured, I mean, unless this conference was all of a sudden awesome this year, which look going into the year, I mean, we didn't expect last weekend to happen, but going into the year, we knew this was kind of a down year for the league and there was sort of a vacuum, uh, in this league, a two-loss SEC team would have had a better shot. Two-loss Notre Dame would have had a better shot over a two-loss Big 12 team. So, And we've never seen a two-loss team make it to the college football playoff. You figure maybe this is the year. Now Now that the Big Ten's in the picture, I don't know if this is the year where a two-loss team in any conference gets in. But now the answer to that question, even in the pandemic year, is still one. A, a Big 12 champion can only lose one game. Even if they do win the conference with two wins, because the Big Ten is back into the picture, I don't think uh, I don't think they'd have a shot this season. I, and honestly, I think a one-loss nine, like let's say the S, we've seen this happen in the SEC a couple of times. Usually it's in the West, but I think it might be more likely in the East of this year with Georgia and Florida. Right? Let's say Georgia goes nine and one, Florida goes nine and one, but Florida loses to Georgia. That's their Georgia only loss. Georgia loses to Bama. So Georgia goes to the SEC championship game. Georgia loses to Bama. So Bama's in. Georgia's got two losses, so they're probably out. But Florida, like one loss Florida, even though they didn't play in their conference championship game, I think they'd probably get in over. Well, we saw that with Bama in 2017. Bama didn't even play in there. Yeah. But no, Bama has a little bit more credit built up than Florida does, but I still agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, versus, versus a two loss Big 12 champion, they would still get in. So. Yeah, I think the answer to your question, Spartan Barton, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, and I know you're a Gators fan, so sorry for giving you that scenario, right? I know you're you're trying to get over the Georgia hump this year in year three under Dan Mullen. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the answer to that is one, right? A Big 12 champion can lose one game and still make the playoff. I think they would. Anything more than that, a no-go. Florida minus 11 next week at Ole Miss. Woo! 
Delane Train, baby. Short Delane Kiffin, baby. Delane Train. Come on, man. I'm excited. I mean, the SEC has just so many great coaches and so many great characters as coaches, too. I mean, like the SEC West is just like those press conferences are must see TV. Oh, dude, like Coach O, Lane Kiffin, uh, Nick Saban gets pissed off half the time when you ask him a question. You've got, of course, you've got the pirate himself. And I even kind of like old Sam Pittman at Arkansas where he's like, yes, sir. Offensive line coaches are so weird, man. Those (laughs) guys are so weird. And he he fits the mold perfectly. And Jimbo will give you some interesting nuggets at press conferences, too. I mean, and uh, and Gus Malzahn will give you some stuff at press conferences too. Like that's uh that's must see TV right there. Anytime one of those dudes is at the podium. Do you think Jimbo? Remember the most pathetic thing I've ever seen. I've seen a lot of pathetic things. The most pathetic thing I ever seen was Texas A and M giving Jimbo Fisher a national championship trophy that said yeah. like twenty like question mark after that. Like what what the hell do you do with? Do you think he hung that up in his office? Like it I is hope- so Texas A and M. It hurts, man. I know. I hope he threw that away. I really do. I, mean, I think that was during his introductory press conference, and uh, I, hope, I hope he thought that was as ridiculous and ludicrous as you did because uh, it was it was absurd. And you're right, kind of par for the course for Texas A&M. I guess it shouldn't have surprised us too much, right here in Big Twelve country. We we know A&M pretty well. We've seen stunts like that from them in the past. Uh, I guess that shouldn't have shocked us, but really, really bad bit. And also, giving a guy a ten years, seventy five million dollar fully guaranteed contract. Might end up not being the best of bits either. Yeah, well, he got a uh, fake national championship trophy and a pair of cowboy boots when he got introduced there. Yeah. So, uh, good stuff. Spartan Barton, we'll get to your next question real quick. I've got some just statements here, and you tell me if you agree or if you think it's a week one overreaction. Okay. First one, this is the best Texas team since 2009. This is the best Texas team since 2009. I will say true, but I would have said that before Saturday, right? I don't know if anything that happened on Saturday really changes my answer to that. Now, if Texas would have played poorly on Saturday and the game against UTEP would have been more interesting than it needed to be, then I would have uh, probably said no. But no, I, I think you can make a strong case that Texas has its most talented team since 2009. You know, 2010, they started the year ranked in the top 10. But so many things fell apart, and Garrett Gilbert ended up not even coming close to his billing that he got out of Lake Travis High School. So, yeah, I mean, this is without question the best, the most talented team Tom Herman's had in his four years. Uh, This is more talented, in my opinion, than any team Charlie Strong had when he walked in here. So that's three years. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say this is uh, the most talented Texas team since 2009, and I think this is this team's best chance to win the conference since 2009 as well. Next one, Spencer Rattler is the best quarterback in the Big 12. Ooh, uh, man, I you know, I'm showing my Texas bias here. I'm going to say false. I mean, I think he's got the highest ceiling of anybody in the Big 12, but I don't think you could say that right now. Uh, he looked really, really good, and hell, maybe by the end of the year he is the best quarterback in the Big 12, but I'm going with uh, the four-year starter in Sam Ellinger right now, but Spencer Rattler, I mean, uh, as good of a debut as you could possibly have a week ago, He's going to be a hell of a player in Norman for a couple of years. He's fun to watch. What about you? You're you're the OU guy. I mean, you got to see it in person last weekend. Are you uh, are you siding with Spencer Rattler already? And hell, you got to throw Lincoln Riley into that conversation, right into the equation a little bit when you're talking about Spencer Rattler. Um, 
I, I feel like, like, seriously, can I really do that after they beat Missouri State, right? Like, doesn't he have to beat somebody? I'll say it's an overreaction, but I, I honestly think that we could get there by the time. Like, if, if he continues to play well and he beats Sam Ellinger and it's, it's obvious who the better quarterback is, like, I, I think that we could come to that conclusion after October 10th when that game is, is what I'm okay. saying. So yeah. hold on for a few more weeks, and I'll get back to you on that one. Uh, next one. Kansas will go 0-10. Not overreaction. Underreaction. They're going to go 0-12 this year somehow, even though they're only playing 10 games. That's how bad they are. They'll scrimmage a couple of high school teams up in uh, up in the Lawrence-Overland Park area, and they'll, they'll find a way to lose both of those. I mean, I, they're bad, dude. And they showed out a little bit in the second half. I mean, they were down 28-3 at halftime. They couldn't have looked worse. They had three turnovers. Coastal Carolina scored 21 points off those turnovers. It was an abysmal start for KU. They showed some things in the second half, but – I mean, Coastal's the worst team on their schedule. I know Kansas beat Texas Tech last year, and I know there's kind of a vacuum, right? We just talked about it. There's not as much talent in the Big 12, so will Kansas have a chance? Will they play a couple of Big 12 teams close this year? Yeah, probably, but I don't think it's an overreaction at all to say this team's going to go 0-10. I mean, they're going to be underdogs in their, their last nine games, so that's not a stretch at all. Next one, Iowa State is actually going to be as bad as they looked on Saturday. Uh, overreaction. Overreaction. I mean, I, I still think they're going to be a top half of the Big 12 team. Uh, I mean, they, they look really bad. They have to sure up their special teams, right? And you can't give up a punt return and a kickoff return touchdown in the same game. That's got to get worked out. But we've seen Brock Purdy play too well for, uh, to, to expect him to look that bad over the course of a full season. So, yeah, they, they might not be as good as a lot of people thought they were going to be. I think you and I were a little bit skeptical of Iowa State, and uh, I don't think we were willing to put them into that top three tier with OU, Texas, and Oklahoma State, but they're not they're not going to be that bad. I don't know exactly what that means yeah. record-wise, right? Them looking as bad as they did Saturday. Is that 500? Is that sub-500? I think they'll be better than that. I think they'll, they'll probably win six games uh, in this league. So uh, I assume that's better than what they look like on Saturday. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like Iowa State will probably rebound and go six and four, seven and three. And I know that there's a big difference between six and four and seven and three, especially yeah. this year. But uh, but but yeah. Um, let me think about one more here. I, I guess we really haven't seen the TCU defense. Let, let's go with this. Somebody not from Norman or Austin will have the best defense in the conference this year. Somebody not from Norman or Austin will have the best defense in the conference this year. Uh, I don't think that's an overreaction. I mean, Texas and OU's defense looked great, right? They gave up a combined three points last weekend. Now, UTEP and Missouri State, respectively. Uh, there's no doubt the teams in this league have uh, better offenses than that. Uh, I mean, I would still I would throw TCU in there with Gary Patterson. Right, their biggest question yeah. is quarterback. What's that offense going to look like? But they've got some dudes on defense, man. I mean, Garrett Wallow's a hell of a linebacker. Their safety duo is one of the best, if not the best, in the country with Washington and Morig. Uh, they're going to be really, really good. And I think Iowa State's defense is going to be really, really good, too. Uh, you know, they weren't great on Saturday, but keep in mind a lot of the points that Louisiana scored were all special teams and due to offensive blunders. So if Iowa State has a good statistical year defensively, I mean, they've been in the top three or four statistically uh, for the last two or three years. So I think there's other teams that have a chance to have the best defense in this league this year. Spartan Barton just filling up the comment section right now, and I'm all there for it. I love it, man. 
Uh, I, I don't know which one you want to highlight first, right there, but we can get to any of those. Well, we'll go we'll go in order. So uh, this is this is the first one we haven't hit from from Spartan Barton. Best coach personalities. I assume he means the Big Twelve. Maybe he calls it the Bug Twelve. We should start calling the Bug Twelve. Bugs in life de- in defense of the Bug Twelve. That's that's, that's, that's who we are. Yeah, I like that. Uh, best coach personalities in this league. Who you got? Got to be Gundy, right? Gotta yeah. Be Gundy. I mean, that guy's a human soundbite, right? I mean, in one press conference alone, he's given sports radio programs across across the country decades of material to work with. So, yeah, with the mullet combined with uh, with the sound bites that he has, I think he's your obvious number one. Do I'm they even you. have any coach with any personality outside of Mike Gundy? I was going to say, like, who's number two? I mean, Les Miles... Like his LSU day, Les Miles would be number two. Oh, right? yeah. you know, the Mad Hatter and the grass eating and all that stuff that he did. I mean, that guy was ridiculous, but he's a little bit slower up here these days, it feels like. So you don't quite get as much personality exuded in those press conferences as we used to from uh, from Les Miles. Um, you got a bunch of like young coaches who are just grinding right now, yeah. and you normally don't get like funny sound clips from those guys, like the Neil Browns and the Matt Wells and – like Lincoln Riley isn't going to say anything. No. Um, Tom Dana, Herman Dana Holden would have been that guy. Like yeah. he's obviously not in this league anymore, but he was uh, kind of a personality. Look, Tom Herman's given us some stuff to work with, and given given uh, the double birds to the Longhorn Network cameras on that, that was signing day with the whole Drew Locke secure the bag touchdown dance <laughs> or celebration uh, in the Texas Bowl against Mizzou in year one. So. Yeah, unintentionally, Tom Herman has uh, has kind of given off some personality too. I uh, yeah, uh, there's just not there's not a whole lot of personality. Gary Patterson sounds like he's yeah. breathing really heavy every time he's talking. You know, he's a shirt at halftime. That's kind of a cool bit. And he's a singer now. He's a musical artist. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. It's really he, man, it's catching yeah. hell. I can't. Which, like, you uh, mentioned Dana Holgerson. Like I couldn't listen to Dana Holgerson talk because, like Mike Leach, he couldn't get through a sentence with being like. <laughs> like they always have to like clear their throat and they have all that phlegm it's like god it's yeah just- i feel bad for the sports radio up in morgantown or the media who has to cut that audio that can't be fun and i couldn't get through anything dana holgerson said because his hair was so bad what's he doing there man <laughs> i mean just get rid of it at that point if you're gonna look like that it's just better to have nothing than uh to rock that it looked like one of those like creepy clowns that you see that goes to, like birthday parties and it's like <laughs> So thin, it's like coming out the side. It's like, is that like a skullet? Is that's that what? Side, it's has? a side job for Dana Holgerson. That's what he would do uh, during the off season up in Morgantown, I guess. I I do with uh, I do really agree with what Spartan Barton said about the experience Texas has at quarterback uh, could be the difference in the Red River Showdown this year. I I don't remember the exact stat, but first year starters in that game don't really fare that well. Yeah. Um, I guess Colt won his first start in 06. Sam Bradford would have won his first one in 07. But Kyla Murray lost his. Baker Mayfield lost his, which, by the way, I guess Sam Ellinger told uh, Kyla Murray, take the loss P star SSY after the, <laughs> after the game. So, That's so great. Even if you're a great player, it doesn't necessarily mean it mean it normally means you're going to kind of struggle in that game. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, last year when Oklahoma beat Texas, that was the first time in the history of this rivalry where a first-time starter beat an experienced starter in that game in the Red River Shootout. So you had Sam Ellinger who was making his third start 
in a Texas OU game. And obviously you had Jalen Hurts, who was making his first start in a Texas OU game, and Jalen Hurts got the victory. I think last year that was the first time. I remember that being a stat that we talked about yeah. leading up to the game and one of those reasons why Texas fans felt pretty confident, even though Oklahoma was clearly the better team. <laughs> felt like, all right, history shows when you have the quarterback experience edge at the Cotton Bowl, you generally find ways to win. But last year that was different, so maybe you throw that stat out the window at this point. By the way, that was the moment where OU fans thought Jalen Hurts was the greatest thing ever. And then going into that game, they were like, hey, are you excited to play at OU Texas? And he was just like, I mean, I've played in big games before. I've played, I've played in the Iron Bowl. He like totally just crapped on like, yeah. I've played in the Iron Bowl. Can't be as cool as that. Then he went out and played like total junk and almost lost OU the game last year. So, yeah, that was, that was the moment right there where OU fans started to turn on Jalen Hurts a little bit. Yeah, that was a rare defensive struggle in that game. I mean, that's that's when I was like, dude, Alex Grinch is legit. Uh, Texas's offense had a lot of problems last year, and there was not a lot of creativity and innovation, especially in that game, but really over the course of the year for Texas. They were very vanilla, and they didn't change things up a lot, right? Whatever they put on film was the same stuff they showed every week, and hell, by the end of the year, you had defensive players running their wide receivers' routes for them. That's how predictable Texas was. But when I saw that game, I'm like, all right, Alex Grinch is the dude. We're not dealing with the Mike Stoops anymore. We're not dealing with Ruffin McNeil anymore. They actually have themselves a, a defensive coordinator that's going to give them a shot to compete, and uh, they did just that on that side of the football last year. Yeah, it was weird uh, having an OU Texas game and not hearing a rumor about Mike Stoops and Curtis Bolton fighting at halftime. You ever heard that one? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Man, was that only once where that happened? Uh, I, dude, allegedly. Who, who uh, knows? But, like, you, I mean, you know how the Cotton Bowl set up? Like the tunnel, you can actually like walk out into the fair. And so they got face to face, heated words. Curtis Bolton got pissed and just like walked up the tunnel. Like people are just standing out there in the fair at halftime. And here's Curtis Bolton like walking around cussing, doing all that stuff. It's like, what in the hell is going on here, man? Awesome. So, what's your, t- I need your take on this, right? Because. <laughs> Uh, this is a debate that Texas fans have amongst themselves every year when we're, get re- we're getting ready for that game. And look, this year's going to be different, only 25% capacity at the Cotton Bowl, so it's not going to be as big of an issue. But every year, Oklahoma gets the tunnel, right? They split the they split the crowd up at the 50-yard line. Texas is on one half, Oklahoma's on the other half. But every year, the tunnel where both teams run out of is on the Oklahoma side of the field. Do you think that should be something that's flipped every year? I don't know if that gives OU an advantage, right? I mean, you just get to yell and talk trash to the Texas players as they're coming out and walking back in the tunnel. But uh, you think that's something they should maybe look at to, I don't know, even the playing field a little bit? Well, I mean, regardless who sits on that side, first off, it's weak sauce that they do like the like pull up little tarp thing on the side. So those fans can't even see or yell or throw beer or anything like come on we're, we're taking away from the rivalry if you can't sit and throw beer on the on the players anymore before they run out of the tunnel I don't know I, I feel like Texas had that option at one point and like Mac Brown punted on that one I, I could be totally wrong but I don't know oh, you fans get the tunnel you guys get the better view of the jumbotron on that side of the stadium right that is true that is true. I didn't think about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember that ever being – maybe it was, right? Maybe there was some decision at some point in time where Texas chose that side of the field. But I want to spit and pour beer on college kids. Come on, man. I want to do that every once in a while. Why don't we get the chance for that? 
I know, man. I know. Trust me. It. Uh, I, I'd be. I'd be all about it. That's what the rivalry is all about, man. I come mean, on, come man. on. Throwing beers on eighteen-year-old kids. That's what the rivalry is all about. Oh that's, yeah. That's, that's I wouldn't expect right anything less from OU fans, right? <laughs> hey, <laughs> one last thing before we get out of here. I guess Jordan Whittington's going to be out for a few weeks. Is that that a big deal or or not so oh. much? Yeah, man. I mean, he, he's got all the talent in the world. He just can't stay healthy. He got hurt in the season opener last year, was out for the season, and obviously getting hurt in the season opener this year. Wasn't a starter technically, but uh, a guy who was expected to get a lot of playing time this year as an H-wide receiver, which is the same position Devin Duvernay was in last year, the same position Lil Jordan Humphrey was in two years ago. It's a big part of the Tom Herman offense. So, yeah, it's a loss. Three to four weeks, that's right in line with the Oklahoma game. Yeah. Uh, you would love to have him back for that one, but Man, just once again, an all-world talent. Just uh, can't stay on the field. Hopefully hopefully that's not the case moving forward, but it's been a tough start to his career. Last thing, Spartan Barton says, second year with Grinch will be good. I agree. Number one defense in all of college football as of today. Number one defense in all of college football is the Oklahoma Sooners. All right? How about that? Shut out? What, in, oh, I guess in scoring defense, they have to be tied for first yeah. at least. And then what, total defense too, number one? How about that? Uh, how quickly things can change. Boy, Bobby Petrino has lost it, man. He ain't the same. First Bobby time he's ever Petrino. been shut out. How about that? that? Grinch is special, man. And that means even like with women, that's the first time he's been shut out. <laughs> no life. way. Shut no out. chance he was shut out from women that entire weekend. Zero <laughs> percent. All right. Well, uh, we'll enjoy the college football weekend. Hope you do as well. We'll talk to you on uh, Monday right here 10 a.m. on Twitch. For Brad Kellner, I'm Tyler McComas. We'll talk to you next week on In Defense of the Big 12. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.